0: When we no longer hear the sounds of children, we have a problem. So we should never take that for granted. I know as a parent, there are times when it can become extremely frustrating. But let me tell you something. It bothers you more than anybody else. And it's okay. It's okay. When we have lunch and we're going to have a discussion, we might have kids hanging around. That's okay to hear them. It's not a problem. So let's not make it a big deal. They're the future, and they need to be a part of it. Now, uh, again, I'm losing everything. Okay. We'll get it together one of these days. There are times in life when you have an opportunity to start fresh. Maybe you start a new job. You have a transition. You move into a new house you start a new year you have a birthday you think this year is going to be the best year ever well we're kind of at this point we started a new year and we're at the point in the life of our church when it's time to start fresh and that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks we're going to talk about how can we start off on the right foot and what's the next step for us as a church so as we study in life way set it up perfectly god knew exactly what he was doing introducing this study in Revelation 1 through 3, and then the connection point that we're going to make, God is going to be in the midst of the process. My prayer is that you will join us. You will join us in taking the next step together as a church. It's going to be an incredible journey, and I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in and through us. But we need you to be a part of it. And y'all are incredible, and y'all do an awesome job. In the last six to eight months of me spending time with you have been incredible and I'm excited about the next step together so I encourage you to fully engage in this process in this process be involved as we take the next step together now as you have jumped into the study this morning in Revelation uh, this study the book of Revelation can be intimidating can be frustrating a lot of us Avoid the book, and a lot of us can't wait to study it because they want to learn something new. Now, let me just kind of disappoint you from the start, okay? If you're expecting this study to be a study full of charts and graphs and decision points and telling you when Jesus is going to come back or which, point, which part of the millennial view you, we stand on, that's not going to happen, and I might upset a few people by my opinion, but I'm going to share it because I was reminded this week never to apologize from the pulpit. So I'm going to take the liberty this morning, okay? Is that all right with you? But let me kind of lay the groundwork for this study. This study, this series is going to work in a certain way. In order for us to get a full picture of Revelation, to get a deeper understanding of the text that John wrote, uh, you have to go to the Bible study. You have to read the book at least. Read the Bible study book. Stay engaged in it. Or as someone said, open your Bible and read it, and you'll learn a few things. Uh, To draw complete application to our present setting, to our church setting, attendance to the luncheon is necessary. I know that's inconvenient, and as this drags on the next six weeks, it might become tedious, but we're in a unique point in the life of our church, and it's necessary. So I encourage you to be a part, to engage in those things. I know things happen Life happens and things come up, but try to stay engaged as much as you can. All that we're doing during the service, during this morning worship period, is to bridge the gap between the text and your life. That's all Sunday morning is about. The Sunday morning service is about drawing you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's all we ever do. The Sunday morning sermon should never be the meat and potatoes that you depend on for nourishment week to week. It should never be that. It should be an opportunity to draw you closer to Jesus. And then you would receive your nourishment through daily Bible study or engagement in a small group Bible study setting. So let me remind you of that. You need to engage deeper in the text. If you're depending on my words from this pulpit week to week, you're going to fall short because I fall short. Engage in relationship with others. Study your Bible daily. It's necessary to growth. Now, some keys to remember about the book of Revelation, and you can turn to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be everywhere this morning, but you can hold firm there, and we're going to look at that. I know you looked at it during Sunday school. Some keys to remember when you study this book. Who is it written by? John, right? And John uh, wrote this during a period of great persecution, and he wrote this to seven churches in Asia Minor, seven real churches, okay? Everybody say real They were real churches. Now, this book consists of one, everybody say one. Let's make sure we're on the same page. One revelation. Okay, there's one revelation here. The revelation to John from who? Okay, so this is not the book of revelations It is the book of Revelation. It is one revelation given to John by Jesus. This book consists of one revelation. We see that in verse 1. Delivered to John. And the key to understanding the whole book is one word. You can understand this whole book by understanding one word, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the key to this book. And without understanding Jesus, you cannot understand the book of Revelation. In chapter 1, we're given a description of Jesus. And let's look at it quickly. And I'm going to read fast, so try to keep up. If you're frustrated and you're like, slow down, let's look at that deeper. You know what my answer is? Go to Sunday school. (laughs) Because you covered it this morning. Let's look at it. Chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, when we read the book of Revelation, we start hearing these words and phrases and start interacting with these different individuals, and we get confused, don't we? Let's not make it harder than it should be, okay? Here in these few verses, we see the Trinity very clearly, very clearly, the one who is and who was and who is to come. And we see the spirit that's before the throne. And then we see Jesus, the faithful, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's Jesus and made us a kingdom. That's Jesus. Priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's Jesus. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. That's Jesus. And every eye will see him. That's Jesus. Even those who pierced him. Yes. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. That's Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Didn't we look at that a little bit in our Bible study on Christmas? We look at the beginnings in John 1, and then we look back at Genesis 1, and we see here again at the end of the Bible, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and was and is to come. You see here in John 1, 3, we read very quickly... That if we open this book and we read it, what's going to happen to us? We're going to die? We're going to be blessed. Blessed is the one who reads. Blessed is the one who hears. And blessed are those who keep what is written. We have a blessing upon this book. So it's very important that we open and read it. I don't understand very specifically we're given an instruction to read and be blessed. Why do we avoid the book then? That doesn't make sense. All right, let's keep going. Revelation 1, 9. I, John, your brother, we're going to read it quickly, and then we'll jump into the meat. I, John, your brother, and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos to, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I so badly want to stop and talk, but we're going to read. All right, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Let's not get confused, okay? Let's just read. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in the book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. All right, we have seven churches there, right? So who is talking to John? Okay, and John is writing to? All right, so write down what you see and what you hear, and send it to these churches. See, I told you we're just going to read, and I'm not going to talk. Verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice of the one that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. Let's not get frustrated, okay? And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Don't get frustrated, let's just read. I'm reminding myself of that. All right, in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we study your word that you will speak to our hearts, And whatever junk that we're dealing with, speak into our lives and give us clear direction on what you want us to do. In your son's name we pray, amen. Anyone confused yet? There's a lot of stuff, right? Elijah's got it. Now, we see here that John, in this first chapter of the book, found himself face to face with the risen Christ. And it was extremely overwhelming. What did John do? He fell flat on his face as if dead. Now think about this for a minute. John knew Jesus. John walked with Jesus. John ate with Jesus. Yet here when he sees Jesus, he fell over. What an incredible picture he saw of the risen Lord. And here we see that Jesus walked. Look at the description in chapter 1. He walked among the lampstands. He walked among the churches. And he held the stars in his right hand. He held the pastors of the seven churches in his right hand. Jesus was there, present among the churches, the seven churches that he's spoken of here in the book. And he was right there with, holding in his hand the leaders of those churches, the pastors. Here in this chapter, we see Jesus giving John a message for these churches, which will consist of the contents of the book, providing instruction both of warning and commendation. Here we find that in chapters 3, these warnings and commendations commendations, and this will be the heart of our study. So as we study the next few weeks, we're going to look at these churches that Jesus is walking in the midst of. We're going to look at the warnings that he provided and the commendations that he gave them and the instruction that he told them. We're going to look at those piece by piece over the next few weeks, and we're going to discuss them. In order to glean the truths from revelation of Jesus here to the churches, And if we're going to make application to our own life as a church, we must first be reminded of our purpose. Why do we exist? Why are we here? What's the point of us gathering as a body of believers? Now, if you're a guest with us this morning, we don't normally go this deep or talk this application level, but we're going to go there today. And I'm glad you're here, a part of it, because I don't know of a lot of churches that do that. So let's not, let's not worry about squirming in our seat. And we're not pointing fingers at any person, because we learn quickly that when you point a finger at somebody, you have fingers pointing back at you, okay? So I'm talking about all of us. But let's talk about our purpose. What is our purpose? Now, drawing the connection from one to the other, I'm using a resource uh, from Henry and Richard Blackaby on the study of the seven churches called "Flickering Lamps," and this is going to guide our discussion this afternoon. And I would, if you want to grab one of these resources, let me know, and I can get a bunch of these books. But that's how we're going to make the connection and draw application. There's a lot of good stuff. This book is kind of the background of his study and experience that that generated the study experience in God that so many of you. Took part in some time ago. But here's more context and understanding of what he was going through, what they were going through during that period of time. But in his book, at the beginning, he outlines the three purposes of the church, and I want to talk about those this morning. Why are we here? What is our purpose as a church? Number 1, I'm going to give you all of them and then we'll break them down piece by piece. Number 1, we are here to glorify God. The Church of Jesus Christ exists to glorify God. Number two, we're here to make disciples. And number three, we're here to bless our community. Now, everything else is secondary to these three truths. These should be the foundation of everything that we do. Everything that we do at Bearing Cross should be to glorify God. Every action we take, every decision that we make should be to glorify God in and through us as a body of believers. Our focus week in and week out should be making disciples and creating disciples who make disciples. Anything outside of that is secondary. And we should also be a presence and a blessing to our community. Why do you say those things? Well, let's look. We're here to glorify God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It'll be on the screen. We're going to jump a lot, okay? Don't freak out. Just enjoy the few minutes, okay? Just listen closely. Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As a church, the key to glorifying God is simple. Love God and serve God's way. If we're going to glorify God in and through our lives, personally as Christians, corporately as a church, bearing cross every day, every second, must love God. Every decision that we make, everything that we do, should be out of a love for God. And then an opportunity to serve His way. Are we glorifying God in our actions, in our attitudes, in our functions, in our decision making? Mark twelve thirty says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. With all that you are, love the Lord your God with your emotions, with your soul, with your thoughts. And with your actions. Are you loving God? And we have to ask the question as a church. Are we bringing glory to God with our actions? That's an honest question. Do we glorify God? As Bearing Cross Baptist Church here in Sherwood, Arkansas, do we glorify God in what we do? It's an honest question. You know there are times in life. And this year was the first year ever, okay, and I'm not old, but, you know, it's the thanks, appreciate that. First year ever that I made a yearly checkup on time. You'll have those yearly doctor's appointments that you just have to go and make sure that you're not dead, you know? Make sure you're still breathing. You go and the doctor tells you a bunch of stuff you don't want to hear, right? But those are necessary, right, to keep us moving. We need those checkups we find ourselves in a unique time where we have the opportunity to open the hood and look at our life and say what are we doing what do we need to stop doing what should we start doing and this is kind of where we are as a church and it makes us uncomfortable doesn't it did anyone get uncomfortable when i asked you that question are we bringing glory to god in what we're doing sometimes it's hard to ask that question What's even more fun is we're going to go to lunch and we're going to answer the question. Do we glorify God in our actions? Number two, are we making disciples? Are we making disciples? Matthew 28, we've, we've read this scripture so much over the last few months. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Churches are not simply to make converts. If we're here to make converts, we're in the wrong business. We're here to make disciples. We're not here to create people who just believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. We're here to develop people who are going to follow Jesus with their lives. In essence, the churches should be the hub of the mission strategy to reach the world. So what are we doing to make that happen? Are we making decisions daily? Are we aligning ourselves as a church to where we are creating a disciple-making community where we see generations of disciple-makers that are, we are launching out to change the world, to reach the lost? Are we aggressively reaching the lost not only in our community but around the world the church should be the hub for that i was having a discussion with someone this week about um, all these nonprofit outside organizations that do awesome mission work and i was real frank with them because we were talking about some good organizations and we're involved with some of those organizations like uh, world changers and different you, you all do crisis pregnancy stuff and uh, we work with the children's home. We do all kinds of good stuff. We partner with a bunch of different people. My opinion is none of those things should exist. None of those organizations should be there because the church should take care of it all. We have plenty of churches in the central Arkansas area to meet all the needs that are in the central Arkansas area. So why are we not doing it? Why do we need this outside organization to come in and reach the, meet the needs in our community? Me, personally, it's offensive. It's offensive that we have groups like World Changers come in and meet the needs of people in central Arkansas while we're sitting on our hands and not doing anything about it. That's a problem. Now, we're thankful for those groups that are actively involved and that spur us along. But the question is, are we aggressively making disciples in our small groups in your Sunday school classes, which when's the last time that you launched a new class, you developed a new teacher or leader? Personally, as a Christian, who are you discipling in your life? That's the call of every Christian, to make disciples. So who are you engaging with? Who are you pouring your life into? That's the call of the Christian. Are we making disciples? It's a hard question to ask. What are we doing right now as a church to reach the world for him? Number 1, we are called to glorify God. Number 2, we're called to make disciples. And number 3, we're called to bless our community. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Don't y'all love these verses? We love the song. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We love the vo- these verses and we love to sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But how quickly we forget that as Christians we're to act as preserving agents for our communities. God has placed us in Sherwood for a reason, to do a specific task. To be the salt and light for our community. So what are we doing about it? Would you agree with me this morning that sin is actively trying to tear its way through our city? It's everywhere, isn't it? Evil influence, demonic spirits. And we can argue about your belief those kind of activities spiritual warfare is everywhere we all understand the fact that sin tears people down but righteousness righteousness true righteousness from the believer found only in jesus christ will sustain and protect a community we are called to be the salt and light for this community we are called to engage our community and fight against the evil within our community So what are we doing about it? What kind of relationships are we building? How are we interacting with our community? John 1 tells us, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We are given a simple truth here. Darkness cannot overcome the light. True? Who has the light? If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the light living in you. This community is full of darkness. So in order to get rid of the darkness, what do we have to do? We have to get out there and be the light. So how are we doing that? Remember back to your study this morning, Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that the churches, these seven churches are the golden lampstands, shining brightly in their community to make a difference, to make an impact, to bless their community. My friend, we are a golden lampstand that's standing in the midst of this community. Our light should be shining brightly to make an impact, to bless our community. So what are we doing about it? God expects us to make a positive difference in the world. We are to be a preservative and a blessing wherever he plants us. Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you move, we are to make an impact for Christ. You ever have one of these questions you just don't want to ask? I wrote this question down this week, and I really don't want to ask it right now. If we shut our doors today, and Bearing Cross no longer existed, Would anyone outside of this room notice? Would it impact our community if we shut our doors today? See why I didn't want to ask the question? You see, in addition to these three purposes... God gives the local church specific assignments to focus on that drives what they do, that drives them every day. We see this all throughout Scripture. And as we continue this study, we're going to see this, this specific instruction and direction that he's given to the churches. My friend, at the beginning, when churches are established, they have a very clear sense of purpose. But as churches age over time, that sense of purpose can fade. How old is Bearing Cross? Anyone have an exact age? 115 years. So we're not a new church, so to speak. You see, when churches, when you set out to do something, you set out to accomplish a goal, you know very clearly what you want to do. But over time, those objectives and goals can fade, can they not? So the question we have to ask this morning, specifically, understanding the big picture, the church in general is to glorify god, make disciples and impact the community, right? But specifically, Bearing Cross, what is our purpose? I don't want you to say anything. I'm just asking a question. What does Bearing Cross exist to do specifically right now in Sherwood Arkansas? Flip side. Have we forgotten, and I say we, have we forgotten why we're here? Have we joined so many churches around the world that, quote-unquote, are content to play church? As a Christian... Do you know what your purpose is? I know this is an odd time, but that's all I have to say about that. Because I've thrown a lot out there, and this is where we are. We're at a unique point in the life of our church where we have an opportunity to do something incredible. But in order to do that, we have to make sure that, number one, we're glorifying God, and that we're making disciples, and that we are ready to make an impact on our community. But we have to understand specifically what God wants us to do. Where do you want us to go? And how do you want us to do that? Now our goal through this process over the next few weeks is we're going to answer every single one of those questions. We're going to light a fire, and we're going to do something incredible together. But in order to do that, we've got to work through some of these hard questions. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go eat lunch, and then we're going to talk about where we came from and what we're doing right now. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to give you a chance to, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to have a great discussion time to prepare us for next week because we're going to move from where we have been to where we're going and God's going to give us a sense of clear purpose for our lives both personally and corporately for us to make an impact on our community for years to come as we engage and we grow together one thing is vital we have to have unity and we have to be together so we need everyone together on this and let me tell you something personally I need you to be involved Because your voice, your attitude, your heart, your willingness is so important for where we're going. And God's got a plan to use you to impact this community. So I need you on board. I need you ready to roll. 2019 is going to be an incredible year. And we're going to do some great things. So join us. Make sure you're a part of it. Don't miss out. And if you've got some stuff you need to work on, because I know we all have stuff, don't we? There's some people in my life that are not afraid to tell me what's wrong with me. And I love it. It's good. It's hard to hear, isn't it? But it keeps us straight. Well, let's do that together. Well, let's pray. We're going to have a time of invitation, so if you need to work on some things, if Jesus is speaking into your life, maybe you need to make a, a renewed commitment to him. Maybe you want to join the church. Whatever it is, I'll be here. If you want to pray at your seat, you can do that. But we'll have a time, a short time, where you can just spend a moment with Jesus. We're going to close the service, and then we're going to go eat lunch, and we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. We'll be ready to roll, okay? So let's pray, and then we'll take the next step together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for, Father, for your word. It's so hard to read sometimes because it's so honest and reveals our heart. Father, I pray that as we continue this journey, understanding what you have for us as a church, not forgetting our rich heritage and all that you've done through the years, what an incredible blessing it is to be a part of this church. I pray that you would give us a renewed vision, a renewed sense of purpose To really get out there and make an impact. A solid impact. To where everyone, everyone knows and loves this church. And not because of us, but because of you. We don't want to let our light shine. We want your light to shine in and through us. And change this community. Father, we pray that revival in this country would start with us. As we go through this process. So speak to us, Lord, and lead us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand with me as we have just a short time?